As featured in the November 2023 issue of Men's Health magazine, To Catch a Con Man is the very intimate and detailed true story of exposing one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to operate in the Midwest. A career con man who was able to get away with scamming and stealing in and around the suburbs of Chicago for more than 40 years. What's even more interesting is that he had never been arrested in Illinois for running his scams, some that date as far back as the 1980s. If there is a living devil and evil on this earth, it is him. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of a con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Could Adam be ready to pass the information on to the authorities? Has his amateurish investigation gathered enough information for the police to take him seriously? The time is now, and once he starts, there is no going back. He needs to create a big enough bang. This is The Salvo. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. It's getting late into the afternoon of June 3rd, 2018, and Scott and I have been talking for about an hour, reviewing details on how we both fell for Dugo's opportunity. Scott is the second victim I have shared my identity with, my coworker being the first. Scott agrees to send me all of his documentation via email with his approval I can share it with the police. He promises to conceal my identity. We talk about if we should go together to the police station, but it was Sunday, and he had plans to go out to dinner with his family. He said, Adam, you go, and if they need more color or background, I would be happy to stop in and give a statement the next day. He left me with a bit of advice. He said, Adam, don't let Dugo get the best of you. Make this your hobby. I now borrow this phrase and give it as advice to others who are trying to catch their own con men. We parted ways. I remember feeling anxious and my stomach was turning. Mind you, I am, for the most part, a law-abiding citizen. I have never been in trouble with the law. I may have recorded a few speeding tickets over the past 33 years at best. I have seen the inside of a police station maybe twice in my life, both during an era of youthful exuberance and both before I was 18 and attended college. I do not have a record. I have never been arrested. And I really had no fucking idea where I was supposed to go with all this information I was gathering. In my personal ordeal with Dugo, I had given him various amounts of cash money on four different dates and times over a five-day span at three different meet-up locations. The first was Saturday, March 24th, 2018, in the Export Fitness parking lot in Libertyville, Illinois. 
The next was in the early afternoon of Monday, March 26th, in the Costco parking lot in Medawa, Illinois. Later that same day, a third parking lot meetup while he ate dinner at Uncle Julio's in Vernon Hills, Illinois. And finally, Thursday, March 29th, around 11.25 a.m., again in the Uncle Julio's parking lot in Vernon Hills, Illinois. Not knowing exactly what I needed to do or where I needed to go to report a crime, I called the Lake County Sheriff's non-emergency line at around 4 p.m. Central Time. I explained how I had given money to Ricky Dugo on four separate occasions and that he had left me high and dry on his end of the bargain and I wanted to file a police report for theft. This is where things get complicated in a way. The Lake County Sheriff's Office explains to me that I would need to file three separate police reports as the alleged crimes took place across three different suburban jurisdictions. She advised I would need to come to the Lake County Sheriff's Office in Waukegan, Illinois, for the Costco meetup. As Metawa is too small to support its own policing entity, and instead it is patrolled by Lake County Sheriffs. She mentioned I would have to go to the Libertyville Police Department and file a report there for the initial export parking lot meetup. She then explained I may be in my best to start with the Vernon Hills Police Department as two of the transactions took place in that municipality, and since I had given him the bulk of the $18,700 there, well, that is where she would start. She wished me good luck, and I thanked her for explaining the process. I hung up the phone, and I was frustrated. All of these transactions occurred in the same county, that being Lake County, Illinois. It would be cumbersome for me to retell this story three times. And I was looking at my calendar to see when I could get out to each police department to file these reports. I grabbed some snackies, and I filled up my water bottle. I grabbed my notebook and a pen. I kissed my wife and my kids goodbye. I was heading to the Vernon Hills Police Department. I would start there tonight and see what, if anything, they would be willing to do for me. The Vernon Hills Police Department was about 27 minutes from the house I was living at at the time in Gurney, Illinois. I arrived around 5 p.m. I pulled into a visitor's parking spot and took a few really long, deep breaths. I remember walking in the door and it was so quiet. I approached the counter and a female policewoman asked me if I needed assistance. I think at that moment I blurted out, um, there's a con man living in Vernon Hills. He stole my money, and I have information that he has done this to many others in your community. She looked at me oddly, not in a way where I thought she didn't believe me, more so shocked that I was making a very broad allegation about somebody living in Vernon Hills, Illinois. Vernon Hills is a very safe, affluent suburb that I considered to be in the North Shore of the Chicagoland suburbs. Some may argue my opinion on its inclusion or prestige, 
Regardless, there are less than 20 reported violent crimes committed and less than 400 total crimes committed each year for a population of 26,000 people. Looking at the numbers, 2018 recorded one of the lowest crime rates for theft in Vernon Hills, a mere 271 per an online publication called city-data.com. And that included petty theft from retail stores and the Hawthorne Mall. The woman behind the glass partition was the watch commander, and she asked me to take a seat as she would call in an officer that was out patrolling in his vehicle to come and take my statement. I couldn't sit. I paced around the hallway for 10 minutes until he got back to the station. When he arrived, he introduced himself as Officer Barry Hill, and he asked me to follow him into an interview room. He asked me what was going on, and I tried my best to keep calm and to best convey the story as I knew it thus far. I told him, there is a man named Ricky Dugo. He conned me out of over $18,000, and I explained the details of the deal and where the transactions took place. It was cumbersome to retell. I felt like such a fool. After my story was told, I explained that I had created the Facebook profile spoof page with the hopes of finding additional victims and warning the broader public. With me was a list of eight victims I had talked to and another five that I just hadn't had the time to call yet. I presented the list of names, phone numbers, amounts of money stolen, and those that were willing to come in and give their statements. Officer Barry Hill was understanding. He listened intently and jotted down notes in a small, black, flippy, cop-like notebook. He asked me to sit tight. He was going to ask the watch commander for advice. As from what he had heard in my story, he thought it sounded more of the civil nature. I implored him to look beyond just my story. As I reiterated, Ricky Dugo was a serial con artist, a career criminal. And there is a point when a person like Dugo straddles the line, crossing over from a civil matter into a criminal phenomenon. This was that. Before he left the room, I pressed further, stating if nothing is done and done quickly, more residents of Vernon Hills, the town and citizens you promised to protect, would become victims of his scams. And if that happened, it would be on this police department, and I am providing you with solid leads and a list of victims to interview that will corroborate my story. Now you know. About five minutes later, he returned to the interview room and gave me his business card. On the back of the card, he wrote report 18-13369. Underneath that report number, he wrote the phone number for the Lake County State's Attorney's Office. Officer Barry Hill went on to say that within two days, I should be getting a call from somebody at the State's Attorney's Office. I left him with a sincere thank you, took the card, and filed it inside my manila folder. I felt a sense of relief that someone was going to take a look-see into Ricky Dugo's nefarious ways. I remember that evening like it was yesterday. Over five years had since passed. 
Yet sitting in that yellow interview room in 2007, I was so vulnerable and naive to the process ahead of me. At that time, I have to admit I was excited to take whatever next steps I had to in order to take Ricky to go down. In my mind, I had what I felt was ample ammunition and a very valid and compelling story to tell. Looking back, I had no idea what really laid in front of me, and I had no idea where any of this was ever really going to go. The law doesn't always work quickly, nor does it always go smoothly. What you see on TV and in the movies isn't real. The government bodies move slowly, methodically, and it's at a snail's pace. I just figured the authorities would follow up on my leads, gather some data and evidence, and talk to some victims. And in a few days, Ricky Dugo would be arrested. Man, that couldn't have been further than what eventually transpired. On June 5th, 2018, I received a phone call from a Detective Bill Bang, who was part of the White Collar Crime Division of the Lake County State's Attorney's Office. His official title was Special Investigator of the Office of the State's Attorney at Lake County, Illinois. Bill was very stern in his questioning. Obviously, he was trying to vet me as I was trying to vet him. Initially, I do not think he took too much stock in my claims, saying he was sorry for what Dugo had done, but cases like this are usually civil. And unless I had a mountain of evidence and knowledge of very similar like-for-like alleged crimes, I should be prepared to move this into the civil courts and to try to recoup my losses that way. I wasn't having any of that. I restated that from an outsider looking in. You may think that, or maybe you don't want to put the time and effort in into looking at Ricky Dugo. But my investigation was different in that I had names and dates and data from victims that someone needed to take a look at. Admittedly at first, I wasn't a huge fan of Detective Bill Bang. That initial conversation did not go as I had planned it to. I didn't care for his semi-condescending tone, and his questions and statements made me feel stupid for trusting Dugo. Moreover, that I should have known better. I was like, duh, thanks, Detective Bill. I know. What I didn't know about Detective Bill Bang at the time was he had been around the block more than a few times. After the call, I did my due diligence on him and Googled it and learned he was the former police chief of Waukegan, Illinois. He served more than 30 years as an officer, detective, and then chief. Waukegan is a massive city in the northern suburbs and was home to over 88,000 people. It was pretty tough up there as well, with 279 violent crimes in an average year. I tell you this so that you can understand that Bill was a hardened and very serious detective. He had seen it all in his days in Waukegan. Murders, stabbings, gang activity, drugs, and vice crimes. All day, every day. His tone with me at first was very cut and dry. 
he made sure to tell me he was incredibly busy chasing down white-collar criminals. He was apprehensive, and he should have been. That was his job. After years of forging a relationship with Detective Bill, I can tell you I am one of his biggest fans. My initial opinion was a knee-jerk reaction, and that was on me for thinking everybody should just believe what I was telling them in regards to Rick Dugo. But in real-life investigations, trust isn't given. It is earned. And it's backed up by hard facts and evidence and testimony. Before we hung up, he said he was checking his calendar and asked if I was open to come to the Lake County State's Attorney's Office in Waukegan on Thursday, June 7th, 2018, at 10 a.m. Detective Bang explained that the purpose of this meeting was to hear the story firsthand and then hand over any documentation I had collected in my own personal investigation into Dugo. I told him emphatically I would clear my calendar and I would be there. Having an open case file with the Lake County State's Attorney would lend me credence and credibility to any potential victim I could find. I was nervous, yet excited. I was making progress. I spent the next day writing Detective Bang a cover letter and fine-tuning my notes. One of my confidants called me with some new information to add. He had found an older court case in Sandusky, Ohio, one my background check hadn't picked up on. In 2008, Ricky Dugo pled guilty to a fifth-degree felony grand theft charge. He was able to negotiate a sentence of five years of supervised probation after presenting a check for $5,900 to the prosecuting attorney in full payment of restitution. It's early morning, Monday, June 6th. I receive a text message from one of my confidants. It's a tip. He says, there is a young woman I should reach out to from Export Fitness. She may be another victim. He sends me her name, and for the purposes of this podcast, I will call her by her first name only, Cat. A quick online search reveals her phone number. I need to call her and see if she is indeed another Ricky Dugo scam victim. I dialed star six seven and her number, and then the phone rang. She picked up, and I said, Hello, you do not know me, and I do not know you. I think we have a mutual acquaintance in common. Does the name Rick Dugo mean anything to you? The line goes silent for a moment. She presses me. Who is this? I counter with, I can't tell you my name. What I can tell you is I am also a Ricky Dugo scam victim. I'm working on compiling a list of victims, and I have heard that you were scammed out of a motorcycle. Kat seems reluctant to talk. She is caught completely off guard, but in a soft-spoken voice says, Yes, I was taken by Rick, but it wasn't one motorcycle. It was two motorcycles. We start talking through it, and I explained why I needed to remain anonymous. But if she was willing to send me the details and timeline, with her approval, I would add her to the list of victims that were willing to assist in this investigation. 
if I had a successful meeting tomorrow, maybe somebody from Lake County would reach out to her. In the early afternoon of Monday, June 6th, I reached out to an old friend from high school, Karen. Her father represented me as an attorney in the 1990s on a few speeding tickets. Her father went on to be a local politician, at one point serving on the Lake County Board. And in 2018, he also happened to be the Lake County Treasurer. The Lake County Treasurer worked in the same set of buildings as the Lake County's State's Attorney's Office. I called Karen, and I told her my story about Dugo taking my money and how I was set to meet the State's Attorney tomorrow, June 7th. It was extremely embarrassing to explain the ins, the outs of what Dugo had put me through. I wanted some legal advice from someone I trusted, and before I could ask for her father's ear, she said, you need to call my father. She said, let me call him real quick, and I will give him a heads up and explain who you are and why you are seeking some legal advice. We hung up, and she texted me back that I was good to reach out to him. I dialed his number, and when he answered, I said, David, this is Adam Albin. I happen to be one of your daughter's friends from Stevenson High School, and I am also one of your old clients. David was polite and told me that Karen had given him a rough overview of my situation and that I had some questions for him. I went on to tell him the details of what transpired with Ricky Dugo and how all of my previous attempts to recoup my money failed, and how I filed a police report and spoke to a detective. I ventured on and told him how both Vernon Hills and Lake County had both indicated that my problem with Dugo was most likely of a civil matter. I explained that in the last seven days, with a lot of help from others, I was able to compile a list of people that had also been defrauded by Dugo. He then took a minute before he spoke. He said, Adam, this is 100% not of a civil nature. There are a few crimes here this man has committed. The first being theft, where Dugo knowingly took your money with the intent, key word being intent, to deprive you of that property. While he has your money, did you willingly give him that money? Theft on its own may be hard to prove since he actually didn't steal the money out of your pocket per se. More importantly, I think the more fitting crime he committed is something referred to as theft by deception. In Illinois, theft by deception is when a defendant induces a person to part ways with their money or property, and that transference of money and property was based upon a lie and deception. Basically, Adam, it sounds like he made the whole story up about his connections at APT. By offering a deal or opportunity where you gave him cash for this opportunity without the intent to come through on his end of the deal because there is no connection, that is the deceptive act. This isn't a civil matter, as a civil matter would be a business deal that dissolves into something that isn't good for both parties, meaning both of you lose money. But you know that you both haven't lost money. Dugo never put any money into this deal. 
And since he hasn't made any effort to repay you, I can't see Lake County not wanting to look into this guy. Adam, I work in that same office building just a few floors away from that team. How about you call me tomorrow when you arrive in the parking garage, and I will walk you up and introduce you to Detective Bill Bang. I know Bill and that team for many years, and I also know you will be nervous, and it will be a pleasure to walk you up. Hearing David explain the law and how it was written, in that moment somehow set me at ease. I kept mumbling theft by deception over and over. I wanted to memorize it and etch it into my brain. After the call, I started reading all of the Illinois state statutes surrounding that offense. I was like a sponge, trying to learn as much as possible and validate what my former attorney from my teenage years had taught me. I wanted to be confident in my interview and come off as polished and insightful. The idea of seeing David in the lobby and having someone of his caliber with a pristine reputation walk me up to meet the team was another bonus. Thank you, David, for providing me with the confidence and ammunition I would use the next day. It's the morning of June 7th, 2018. I wake up and shower and get ready for what could be a very good day. I'm going to be driving to Waukegan, a few blocks off of Lake Michigan, where I will be meeting a white-collar crime detective at the Lake County State's Attorney's Office. The last seven days have been a whirlwind. I am running on pure adrenaline, relying on copious amounts of caffeine and nicotine to get me through each day. It's pretty fucked up how the stress compiles and how our minds and bodies manage that stress. Some people turn to the bottle, drinking into oblivion with the goal of forgetting. Others turn to food and gourd their way through it. I was the opposite. I knew drinking would not allow me to forget, nor would it change my predicament. And I literally had no appetite. In that week alone, I had lost almost 10 pounds. Part of me felt tethered to my desk, writing and taking notes, making call after call to prospective victims, trying to stay compassionate and positive. I was reiterating that I had everything under control. That couldn't have been further from the truth. I was a hot mess inside. My brain was foggy. I was becoming severely depressed. The stories I heard were absolutely heartbreaking. The financial decimation this man had been causing was something of legendary proportions. I decided that my journey today was not going to be for me. I was going to bring all of the victims' voices to Lake County and be strong for all of those that entrusted me with their stories. What happened next was for them, wherever the next few days or weeks or months or years would take me, very little of this was for me. I wanted to be the advocate for gaining justice, and in doing so, I needed to let go of the $18,700 I had lost to Ricky Dugo's sham. I needed to bury the loss 
The Lake County State's Attorney's Office is part of a campus of sorts, housing many different functions of the Lake County judicial system. A beautiful modern courthouse is connected by a pedestrian bridge, and the courthouse is connected to the Lake County Adult Correctionals Facility, all residing two blocks from Lake Michigan in Waukegan, Illinois. I was living about 20 minutes west of Waukegan at the time, and being a very prompt and punctual person, I arrived at 9.30, I parked my car, and I called David from the parking garage. I walked up a set of stairs and passed a Lake County Sheriff who gave me instructions on which line to go through. Getting into the building is a lot like going through TSA at the airport. I emptied my pockets and placed all my items in a tray for scanning through an advanced x-ray machine and then walked through a metal detector. After I grabbed my Dugo file off of the tray, I walked towards a sign that said, Office of the Lake County Treasurer. A few seconds later, David arrived to meet me, and we shook hands, and I thanked him for taking the time to hear my story and providing me with some legal guidance. He shrugged my thank you off and said no problem, and led me towards a bank of elevators that took us up to the Lake County State's Attorney's Office. It was nice seeing an old familiar face, It had been nearly 30 years since the last time I saw David. When the doors opened, he pressed the doorbell button from outside the entrance of the offices, and the receptionist buzzed us through. She immediately recognized David and asked what he was up there for. He said, Adam is here to meet with Detective Bang, and Adam is a family friend of my daughter. She smiled and asked me to sign the registry, and I marked my name, and time and that I was here to meet with Bill Bay. She called Bill to let him know I was here for the 10 a.m. meeting. She buzzed the inside door and we went in. Detective Bill Bang came over and shook my hand and introduced himself. I remember hearing his voice. Bill was a fast talker and I could tell this wasn't his first rodeo. He was far from green. Bill was of smaller stature He usually was dressed in khakis and a polo and always wore brown penny loafers. I'm not sure why that always comes back to me, but it does. Bill shook David's hand and David parted ways. Detective Bang asked me if I wanted a bottle of water and then gestured to walk with him towards a large conference room. The room was rectangular. There was a man sitting on the side closest to the door, and Bill motioned for me to sit on the opposite side. Bill sat down next to his colleague and then introduced him to me. Bill said, Adam, this is Assistant District Attorney Fred Day. He will be listening in. I asked him to sit in with us so he can hear the story as well. Fred was dressed in a suit and tie, his hair receding in the middle. He was, for the most part, what you would envision an assistant district attorney to be, completely overworked and underpaid, undervalued, and most likely underappreciated. Most ADAs are. They will admit it's a grind, a stepping stone for most. As I sat across from both of them, the windows to my back, I heard Bill ask me to retell the story with every pertinent detail 
I could provide, and went on to say that from what he heard in the few minutes we talked on the phone, he really thought this could fall into the civil courts and through small claims court. I grinded my back molars, which is something I have been known to do on purpose when I am annoyed and or getting angry. I took a deep breath. I was going to read aloud a letter that I wrote to Detective Bill Bang. I will be providing a copy of this letter with the investigation notes that I have compiled thus far. Dear Lead Detective Bang, I ask that you review my work and follow up on these leads. We are victims, and many are hurting. From my research, I believe he profiles and preys on anyone and everyone. Cloaked in anonymity, I have tread carefully talking to each victim. Compassion speaks volumes. Rick Dugo is a convicted felon. See Sandusky, Ohio, case number 07CR000298. I recommend you set up a tip line, hotline. For every victim I have uncovered, I would estimate that there are four to six that have not yet been identified and or contacted. There are too many people for me to call. I merely ran out of time. Everyone on this list was contacted by me via text, email, or instant messenger, with the exception of Britt and a woman that is too afraid to talk named Mrs. Emilio, single mom living in Las Vegas. She allegedly was rick-ruined financially. I also did not talk to Mr. Grant, who I believe is mooching off Rick and his swindles and may be his only loyal friend left. I have done my best warning the good people of the surrounding areas, yet I know there are so many more that need to hear this story. My investigation began a week ago, Tuesday, May 29th to be exact. If I were to estimate I would put the total amount Rick Dugo has been able to con at 4 to $5 million. Hearing the stories of how Rick Dugo has conned so many repeatedly is simply surreal. He is a complete sociopath living amongst us in plain sight. He has evaded the law in Illinois for over 30 years, terrorizing the Illinois and Missouri residents and leaving a path of destruction so vast, it will blow your mind. He is pathological, intelligent, polished, and razor sharp when it comes to keeping the con going. He is something of an urban legend. He's been shot at, chased on the tollway, even took a bullet to the stomach in front of his childhood home by victims that couldn't take it anymore. At what point does a serial con artist straddle the civil suit line into the criminal? He has no assets. Nothing is in his name. He has no job. He needs $250,000 to $300,000 a year to live the lifestyle he wants to portray. He does not own a house. He does not pay any rent. He squats as long as he can until the poor property owner has to lawyer up and have him evicted. At what point does he stop? At what point do we not stand together? 
we fight for our right to not live in fear. Our community demands justice. Upon investigation, you will hear stories of people being so distraught they attempted suicide, complete financial ruin, bankruptcy, divorce, families torn apart. His victims are embarrassed. His victims are ashamed. The emotional and psychological toll should be a crime in and of itself. Be forewarned. If you do not arrest this man, he will continue to destroy lives. This is not someone that will change. He is not someone that can rehabilitate and rejoin society as an upstanding member of society. One of the victims wrote, If there is a living evil and devil on this earth, it is him. Thank you for taking the time to review my work. Signed, Adam Elbin. I wanted to add a note about this letter that I wrote Detective Bill Bang back in 2018. This letter was written seven days after my initial investigation had started. I was running on empty under immense stress as the weight of the situation was compounding by the minute. I will absolutely admit I was very naive into leading this amateurish investigation in general. So the amounts of money and the total number of victims may have been guesses for what I thought to be true at that time. I had a notion that Ricky Dugo was a career con artist. But at that time, on that day, I don't think anyone fully understood the gravity of the situation and how incredibly successful Ricky Dugo was. Additionally, I wrote that letter from my heart with passion and conviction, and I was mad. I was so fucking mad. Something you will come to learn about me is I wear my heart on my sleeve. I am sensitive and in tune with my inner self. That's the Sagittarius in me, emotionally expressive and verbal and colorful and dramatic. I needed this letter to be something that was different than most other criminal complaints. I was going to wow and earn their respect by writing from the heart, using this first salvo to garner attention and captivate them. I could only hope it worked. Thank you for listening to Episode 4, The Salvo. Did Adam's letter capture the authorities' attention? Did he find enough information to open their eyes and launch a potential investigation into Ricky Dugo's alleged crimes of betrayal and deceit? If you continue to be intrigued by this story, please tell your friends and family about it. I can promise you it only gets better from here. In the next episode of To Catch a Con Man, a lone wolf emerges, and in the shadows a tiger has been lying in wait and is set to pounce. Adam goes through the intricate story and timeline, providing investigators each and every detail of Ricky Dugo's very dirty deal.